Welcome back to Unbuckle Chinstrap. This week, I sat down with Chaos Attackman Josh Byrne. In this episode, we talk about the repercussions of talking shit in the pros, being a black player in the game, how he helped lead the Chaos's comeback in the championship series, and more. Let's jump into episode three of Unbuckle, one of the game's brightest young talents, Josh Byrne. Josh, what's popping? Just chilling, you know. Where are you at right now? Uh, I'm out in the beautiful city of Buffalo. 30 degrees Fahrenheit right now. It's, it's nice and warm up here in Buffalo. It, Buffalo is basically a tropical vacation these days. What? Uh, who's in that house? It's uh, you, Dane, Ian, Ian McKay. Ian McKay, Chris Cloutier right now. So there's four of us. And two, you guys. and two dogs running around. Whose dogs are those? Uh, one's mine and then one's Kluch's. So it's uh, it's a lot of entertainment. There you go. So how long you uh you been together with those guys? Uh, Dane, Ian, and myself, we've kind of been um, living in the same kind of apartment and whatnot for basically the, like the start of quarantine. And then Dane and I ended up buying a house and um now we all kind of live together so it's been about i want to say like six months ish you got house money Ooh, they don't know about that pro lacrosse player money man they don't know about it <laughs> yeah i uh i can't imagine being in the house with all this dude at the same time i was in the the seals house and it, it got pretty crazy sometimes after uh friday nights going to the bar you come back and you're hanging out <laughs> anything it's a free-for-all at that point um but dude yeah, listen man. Talk to me about this season. It was I was at home watching, uh, so obviously, you know, following you guys um, on the chaos, following everyone, but specifically with you guys going zero and four, and then all of a sudden, boom, shit just popped off. Talk to me about what happened. Obviously, you broke onto the scene there, but I gotta know. Um, yeah, man. So, listen, with any team, when you go. 0 and 3 or 0 and 4, right? There it just it gets to a point where it's either make it or break, right? Like you're either gonna do it or you're gonna pack it in and you got like early flight home and you had to go see your boys and have a good time for the rest of summer, right? So um there was a moment I think where we were playing the water dogs. I think it was the the last um last game of the of the tournament there, uh, of the round robin. And um we all just kinda it was just a different feel about the whole game. We were moving the ball really well. Everything was kind of clicking a little bit better, and uh, Courier comes down and things went in overtime, and it just absolutely shatters us. Um, after that game, there was a point where I think it was Blaze. I think Blaze really was just like, "Yo, listen, like you're either here or you're not. If you're not with us, then get the fuck out." Like that simple. Um, and honestly, I think it took that for us to really come together after that moment. Uh, you could just tell that like everybody really cared about each other and wanted the best. So um, from there on out, I think we just really put an emphasis on moving the ball. And once that happened and we kind of just got, got back to a little bit of backyard lacrosse and having fun while doing it, um, we blew up. And that first game, I think against Chrome, we absolutely lit them up. Nobody knew it. Nobody even knew what happened. Yeah, I mean, dude, from, from my perspective with you, so I played against you. Um, for a number of years, just because of uh, Hofstra, we'd always scrimmage you guys. 
Yes, sir. And I had no idea who the fuck you were coming out of Canada. This big 6'2", 6'3", lefty just starts doing crazy shit, sweeping over the top, shooting from 15 on the run, kind of like beads. And I was like, oh, my God, this is we're in for, for trouble here. And I was like, this dude's legit. <laughs> and then obviously following you through um, through college, playing you, and then seeing what you, know, you did in the MLL, you were the rookie of the year. Um, I think people forget that sometimes, you know, kind of your trajectory through through college, what you're able to do because you're at Hofstra. Um, and then you get to MLL Rookie of the Year. And then, you know, for the past year and a half up until that point, you know, when you guys kind of made that turn, I felt like, you know, not that you weren't not playing well, obviously, but I felt like you weren't playing the same level of player you were before. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. And actually, uh, yo, man, me and you were actually pretty close to being teammates in college. Um, be- before I committed to, to Hofstra, I was talking with Coach Brett. Um, and your boy ghosted me, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> What's up, Breck? Did you listen to right now? You fucked that up. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit upset. I'm not gonna lie. So those uh those scrimmages, they they might have meant a little bit more to me than they probably did for you. Um, but uh, but yeah, man. Um, honestly, Hofstra was crazy. Hofstra was wild. Um, there was a point where I think we were like number one in the country, and um. And from, from the very beginning, I've always kind of been a player that um, I put, I try to put winning first. So like, if we, if we're doing, if we're running a, whatever offense it is, like I'm never going to go out of my way and try to take a pull in the net if it's not my job right now. Right. So um, Hofstra, Hofstra was, was tough because a lot of times I was like the second or third guy to dodge just because, you know, in college, er, normally you go after the short sticks. Right. Um, so I feel like I didn't really shine that much at Hofstra. Um, and then I also, like, I think I feel like that was another big reason why when I came into the MLL, um, people really had no idea what I could do or who I was. And, uh, I mean, you also get lucky when you're playing with a guy like Lyle Thompson. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. A, a, lot, a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the eyeballs aren't on you. So you got to, on him. Yeah, you get to, you get to fly under the radar and just cash in on the easy ones, right? So, yeah. Now, that knee injury you mentioned, what happened with that? Because I, I saw you having the brace. You had the brace on your knee for a couple of games in indoor, but I didn't really see a lot of time that you were out on the like from the floor. You know what I mean? Like I and I was like, oh, like did he really tear his you know his meniscus, his ACL? How serious is this? Because you were still coming back and playing so quick. I was like, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Yeah. So um, when it first happened, I, I try to keep everything as like under the radar as possible. Um, so like we like people didn't really know about what happened. But like uh, the day after, I think maybe three days after I ended up tearing my meniscus, um, I was in surgery and started the, the whole process of trying to get back. And um, fortunately enough, we have some awesome doctors in Buffalo and some great positions and whatnot. So I was pretty lucky with how quickly I recovered. Um, but even that, man, and anybody who's had a serious injury, it's like it plays head games with you. I think um, even kind of talking about that, that NLL season, we ended up uh, we ended up going to the championship. And our team was like 16 and four going to the championship. And like they were going on a run without me. So I'm like, yo, these dudes are not, they're, they're killing it. Like I don't even want to come back. Like, let, let these guys roll. And so when I was coming back, it was it was tough mentally to be like, oh, man, like, I don't want to step on any toes. I don't want to mess it up at the same time, right? 
Um, but yeah, man, the, the, the injury thing was probably the best thing that's happened to me because I wasn't the best with like my nutrition, my stretching, anything like that. I was never very good. Um, and never really took it very seriously. So like for that injury to happen, it really just kind of brought everything to the forefront for me. Um, and now I'm like super into nutrition, stretching, all, all that good stuff, stretch at least, uh, twice, once or twice a day, um, at least once before I go to bed, like I'm, I'm on one now. It is crazy how an injury can kind of do that. I had a, an injury back in eighth grade. I broke my wrist and I was like a kind of a, you know, small little thing I thought at the time, but it ended up impacting me so much with a bunch of different things in my body that I would start to compensate for that you don't even think about. And then I started to have to think through, all right, why is my, you know, my, this hip so tight or why can't I, you know, get my arm over on that shot like that. And then you start to kind of go down the rabbit hole and then you're like, all right, I'm in the training room. I'm with, you know, stretching for this, trying to fix that. And it becomes this whole big thing, right? And it's all goes back to that original injury. And it's crazy how it kind of sets you on that path. Oh yeah, man. Like that's even for me, it was like all of a sudden hamstrings, everything started flaring up. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Shit. You don't, you, cause you're, it's almost like it was already an issue before, but you weren't considering that it was a problem because you're playing at a high level. Um, but once you start going down the hole and like the yeah. trainer's like, all right, well, I need you to get your core strong. And they're like, all right, well, this is super tight. I can't even think about getting into that exercise. And then everything's just like spiraling yeah. out of control. Um, but what was, so what was your mindset coming back, coming off that injury? Right, going into that PLL season, you miss a couple games. You kind of come back on the t- on the tail end of the season. What was that like going into twenty twenty in the bubble? Um, you know, as Josh Byrne, the player that was MB, uh, not MVP, but MLL Rookie of the Year, you know, had a tough twenty nineteen season. Were you hungry for that twenty twenty season? What did that look like for you? Yeah, man. Um, to be honest with you, I feel like I was kind of the forgotten player. Um, and and that to me it just it fueled me a lot um so i was working out harder than i ever had um i was going to the field almost every day um i was doing everything that i possibly could so that when i got a chance i was going to take advantage of it and that's that's one thing for me that's like listen if i if i suck because i'm just my my skill ain't there it's one thing right but like if i'm working my ass off on fitness nutrition my stick work if i do all the hard work and i still suck i'll live with that because I, I did the hard work and i and i just suck right Absolutely. but like yeah. at, at the end of the day man it's like everything started to kind of pay off slowly and slowly and the the thing for me was like once i got to utah it, it was a totally different world man like like it's, it's more of a mental game now because you don't get to just go home and forget about a game if you suck, right? You got to think about that. You got to let it stir. Um, and getting back to how we were 0-4, like that stuff starts to play with you a little bit, man. Um, so like I, I, I would say all that prep that I did beforehand and just really was like, just, I, w- I want to say grinded, like just really it got after it. Um, definitely, definitely I came into Utah with a chip on my shoulder. I think it's a, it's a huge culmination of a lot of things, right? Kind of coming to that moment in Utah and, you know, you know this better than anyone else and, and guys that are playing at the high level, highest level in the PLL, it's not a game, you know, like college, like MLL, like things happen very fast. Games go by, by like that. You have to be able to get touches and have the opportunity to be the player that you know you can be. 
I think, you know, the way that you guys are playing leading up to, you know, when you guys kind of started to go on that run, you probably just weren't seeing the ball as much, weren't getting as many, as many opportunities, stay patient. But once that opportunity came, right, you were prepared mentally, physically, right? Everything that you've been working on was a culmination leading up to that point. And, you know, I think we kind of saw that the Josh Byrne that's been there that I knew was there from Hofstra, from the MLL. But, you know, it's just kind of a testament to you. And I think to the people listening, the young players, it's riding these waves, the highs and lows, but sticking to the process, the opportunity is there. And then you pounce on that opportunity. Yeah, exactly, man. And like, like that's a, that's a big thing. And, and, and I know, you know, man, because like, if, if you want to rewind a year ago when you're playing with the whip snakes and all of a sudden you get traded and you go, you, and you go to the Redwoods and now you have this different opportunity and you just absolutely flourish and blow up like that. That, that's exactly what it is. It's just waiting on your opportunity to come through and really punch punch your ticket. Exactly. And I think some people don't realize, you know, younger players, that, that that process is going to go on for the rest of your life. And, you know, some guys look at you like Josh Byrne, he's an incredible player, you know, one of the best in the game playing in the PLL, but those they don't see the adversity, you know, kind of that process that you're thinking through in your head, the injury, the, you know, missing some games in the PLL season, coming into the PLL bubble and what that, uh, that adversity is like. They only see the, the product on the field, which is, you know, you going off six, seven points in the last three or four games of the season and then ending up being one of the leading scorers in the game. But it's never just about, you know, that tip of the iceberg. It's everything underneath kind of leading up to that. Um, now, talk to me a little bit about, you know, where the Josh Byrne and let's let's backtrack a little bit. Where's the Josh Byrne back in Canada, a young player, west western side of Canada. Am I right? Yes, sir. Uh, Vancouver. BC. Where, where, where is that guy mentally um, as a kid kind of thinking about playing at the highest level? Is that something you wanted to do? And and I know a lot, not a lot of Western guys, you know, get to the highest level or, or kind of get to division one. Usually it's the guys from the, from the East side. So talk to me a little bit about that and what that was like for you. Yeah. I mean, um, growing up, uh, it's funny. I was just talking to my mom about this today. Um, I was always big into, into sports. And I guess she was saying that like when I was like two years old, um, she was taking me out to like a park and like um, having me hit baseballs and soccer and brought me a lacrosse stick and all these different sports. Um, but it, it's funny because I think when I was about, I want to say like 12 years old, I looked at my mom and I was like, I want to play division one lacrosse. I think I was watching like some Johns Hopkins old footage on YouTube. And I was like, man, I want to do that right there. That's what I want to do. And she was like, do it then simple just do it get after it um and from there we we always had uh, a local box like you know how obviously you guys have like your local field with like a field net we had like a local box where all we had was like a a, a big box and it was uh it was pavement and then it was like there was like literally a little box across cage that was metal uh, with no net and so i would spend hours and hours there just pretending working on my craft pretending like i was playing um shooting uh I, I would legit ring the crossbar it would go over and it would go across the street i gotta run across the street and dodge cars to get that ball like it was crazy man like it was uh it's definitely been a, a crazy ride um but not a lot of west coast guys come out before me it was probably like kevin crowley um mcbride there, like there wasn't many westberg um but like berg was like 
the dude that was like really said it for me i was like man like he's going to denver right now like this is crazy like and it, and it was weird man like back in the day people used to chirp what uh people used to chirp wesley and be like oh denver you're sick bro <laughs> and that's crazy and i'm like sitting there i'm like nobody else want to go to denver <laughs> i want to go to denver <laughs> like why why are we chirping that, this because they, Denver wasn't that good, quote unquote, at the, at the time he committed, or like how because they're tripping, they, they won a national championship. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm like I'm like I'm like, why are we tripping this kid for for going for going to college? And for me, I was like the youngest of the group, so I'm like sitting there, I'm like, yo, Denver's a pretty pretty sick school. I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but I, I would love to go to Denver, so I, I kept my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, it's uh. To, to, to really come from the West, it's, it takes a lot because a lot of the, especially the recruiters and whatnot, it's a lot easier for them to get to the East Coast than it is to get to the West. That's an under kind of played thing about recruiting is resources, uh, especially in college across where we're not basketball, we're not football. So coaches, they kind of go to what they know, um, the relationships that they have established, different club programs, different areas. But the talent's there, obviously, um, in, in the West, on the West side. And I've seen... Uh, West Coast, excuse me. I've seen so many players now in box that I have no idea who the fuck they are. And then you get you get on the floor and you're like, dude, this sticks, kid sticks incredible. Like, why was he not playing at Rutgers with me, for example? Like, I would have loved to play with him. Um, do you take a lot of pride in that coming from you know the West Coast? And and do you feel like you have a lot of responsibility to kind of inspire those those next generation of kids like a you that was looking up to West at the time? Yeah, um, definitely, man. And uh, once this whole COVID thing's done, it's been kind of something that I've it's like on my to do list. Is like I, I need to get back to to the West Coast to Vancouver, and, and definitely give back a little bit more um, because I feel like there's so much talent out there, man. A, cl- a classic example is like a kid that's on my uh, my Bandits team, the kid Chase Fraser. This kid is a mutant. He is like he's six two, two fifteen. He's so jacked. I'm like. I'm like, I don't know how this kid's not playing field. He's athletic. He's flying through the air. Like like Johnny Pearson. Like like, like JP. <laughs> yeah. Yo, JP, that, that dude got an attitude problem. You can tell him I said that. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be listening. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. It'll be man. nice to him. His ass just got traded too. Oh, yeah, dude. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. man. It, it's crazy. That's the other thing, man, is like people think like, oh, like pro lacrosse players, like it's like, it's not the same as other sports where it's like, but man, you can get traded like that. And the whole thing's just a business. So like as an athlete, you always got to be ready for the worst, which I, 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 I feel for JP, man. That sucks. Dude, it's, it's, it's like you're in the San Diego house or the Buffalo house and you know, you're setting up life. You're establishing you know, maybe some things you're doing off the field and all of a sudden you get a call. Boom. Your ass is out of the house, shipped off to wherever, got to th- rethink you know, your whole strategy about the next couple of years and you thought you were locked in and you, you never know. Man. Yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. We were actually, we were watching draft night, all of us together. And uh, this, this kid, Matt Gilray, um, was one of our, our roommates last year. And we were all kind of messing around like, oh, like imagine one of us gets traded, like blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh yeah, we would probably just like have a couple pops and celebrate for the kid. And then, um, actually Gilray ended up getting traded on draft night and we were all so shook. We didn't know, man. Like it was like, it was like something that like left your soul, man. It was, it like, it like hurt us so bad. It was like, you don't realize it until once it happens, you're like, Oh man, especially to one of your good boys. It's like, damn, man, I'm sorry. Like 
you don't realize how bad it hurts. I know, dude. So, I mean, I went through it with the, the whip snakes, and yeah. not that I didn't know that that could happen, but you're just, you know, I was sitting there on a Monday morning, just like, you know, getting the getting the week started, coming off the overtime, and then Stag's ass just phone lights up. I'm like, oh no, because in your head, I didn't play bad in the game, so I'm like, oh, dude, yeah. I'm getting traded right away. You kind of just you get that feeling in your pit and your stomach, and you're just like, you I'm just that's it, that's it right there. <laughs> um yeah bro that's brutal. but dude what uh so i know obviously come from the west coast um you know you talk about your mom a lot what was, what was the influence um with her on you was she kind of like the lead lead charge you know taking you to, to the games and, and kind of being the influence there or talk to me a little bit about that yeah i mean like uh like i said earlier man she was always the one um like when i was two years old taking me out playing whatever it was, baseball, soccer, basketball. She was always the one that was pushing me to be like more athletic. Um, and she was actually, she, she was a beast. She, uh, she played ball at, um, I think it's Fraser Valley University and was like the best on her team. Um, it was funny because uh, I used to hear stories about her and they were like, yo, she would just make plays like out of nothing. It's like, I don't know how she even pulled that off, but she, but she sank it. Like, um, so she was always somebody that I kind of looked up to, um, whether she was beating my ass in one-on-one in, in <laughs> basketball or, or whatever it was. Um, she was always somebody that I kind of leaned on for support, no matter what it was. Um, and then, uh, honestly, on the, on the other side of that, my dad was always the one that kind of tried to teach me to be more respectful. And um, not that my mom didn't, but like he was the one that's like, listen, I'm going to teach you how to be a man kind of a thing. Respect your elders. Um do the right thing, be honest, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was a pretty cool dynamic to be honest. And you're, uh, I think you told me before, is your mom from Trinidad? Is that right? Yeah. My mom's from Trinidad, Tobago and, uh, my, my dad's from Ireland, Dublin, Ireland. That's a, so crazy, a crazy mix. Thing. How'd that, how'd that end up? Team, team light skin, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yo, people don't know that about me though. Like when they see me, they're like, Oh, this is a, it's white Irish boy. <laughs> what, uh, how, how they meet? Like that's such a crazy, uh, uh, kind of combo right there. Yeah. So, um, it's crazy because they're both, um, incredible singers. Uh, my dad is big in the country. Um, he would sing all the time. He'd get up at bars and sing, play the guitar. Um, my mom has just a voice of an angel. She, um, she plays, uh, piano. And I always remember her singing when I was younger and it was, it was insane. Um, like she should have, she should have went and did something with it. Like it was crazy. Um, but they actually, they actually met at, a, a church choir, which is, is crazy. It's, it's absolutely insane. They were You're a church boy right now. Uh, I'm not, I can't say <laughs> that I am, <laughs> but, uh, but the name Joshua is actually is, is from the Bible. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but like, yeah it's 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 wild like their voices brought them together which is which is kind of dope to think about so but i kind of wish that, that? I, I i got a voice i'm like yo what's, <laughs> what's good with this why can't i sing <laughs> dude uh, yeah that that is crazy um and joshua same thing i've uh my middle name is nehemiah it's out of the bible as well um a little bit of uh religious influence there but i'm not a church goer uh either um but yeah. you know obviously I think you and I built a better relationship this summer, you know, through the BLA stuff. And I know 
you know, your mom was a, was a big influence there with that, um, kind of just the conversations you were having with her. So talk to me a little bit about what it was like for you this summer to kind of, you know, be, be the player you are and in the position you are. Um, and, you know, honestly, not a lot of people, I feel like, you know, know that you were, you know, half black. So what was that like for you? And what, the, what were those conversations like with your mom? Uh, man, they were, they were tough. Um, and I remember some of these conversations kind of started when I was going to college. Um, she would kind of be telling me like, oh, listen, like, it's not like things are a little bit different in, in, in the United States. It's a little bit different in New York. Um, and you got to be maybe a little bit careful on, on, on who you tell that your background is. And when I was younger, I didn't really understand it very well. Um, but now kind of fast forward into the summer, it, it was, uh, we had a lot of tough conversations, man. A lot of, a lot of like, especially about a lot of the events that were going on. Um, she was upset. She would, she'd actually told me some stories that happened to her when she was younger playing basketball, um, which hurt me even more. And I, and, I, and I think really just inspired me to definitely try and step up and, and do what I could to try and make a change and, and, and to, to have a voice in this whole thing. Definitely. And I know I, I appreciate that just because, you know, I feel like they're at the pro level. The most important thing is, is strength in numbers. Um, you know, having a lot of guys like yourself, um, with, you know, concerted effort to kind of, you know, take take charge right now and, and kind of continue forward. So I, I appreciate that. Um, and dude, the crazy thing is like Canadians, it's so different. Like we're so close to each other, but at the same time, the culture and how you guys look at things, like I, when I started playing box, you know, there are a couple, couple black guys that play up, but play box, but you know, even the Canadians, the way mm -hmm. that they, they kind of think of, it's very much just like your character and then how tough you are. And that's like, just, that's it right there. Um, talk to me a little bit about like that yeah. kind of dynamic with with Canadians. It's it's crazy because you would never think it unless you're once you start to talk to the guys. Yeah, it's it's totally different, man. I think it starts with like growing up, like especially in Vancouver. Vancouver is a very diverse city. Like my high school growing up, I I had black friends, I had Asian friends, Spanish friends. I I like we were a huge mix mix pot, right? And I think that's kind of where it all starts. Um, I know guys who I've played lacrosse with that basically have looked at me and been like, man, I didn't grow up going to school with one black person. And th that is just absolutely mind blowing to me. And, and, and I, I really do think that it's taught at a young age with, with, with everything kind of going on. Um, but like when you, when you go and you move on to a lacrosse team and especially um, being Canadian and playing the cross is it's just a different dynamic, man. The the way that people look at you is is what you do on the floor and how you act, um, how how you hold yourself responsible. Um, but like, man, I learned pretty quickly, especially at the pro level. Uh, listen, if you want to be an asshole, you're gonna get you're gonna get thrown around a little bit, and you're, you're gonna get taught a lesson. Um, so that, that, that's just how it works. Cause I, when I was younger coming into league, I was, uh, a little, a little bit cocky. I wasn't exactly, <laughs> um, so like I, I got, I got a couple lessons handed to me. Um, and, and you learn, you, you learn that there's a code, there's a code to the game, right? So like, if you do something, there's a good chance that you're probably going to pay for it, depending on how bad that thing is that you do. Like, that's just how it works. And, um, 
I think we saw a little bit of that this year with the with the chaos and uh, and the Chrome. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Speaking of that, dude, what what? Because I, I was talking to you while, while you were there, um, and we knew that we were going to play that game next. I think it was next or the game mm-hmm. after. And it's just like, I mean, this is my personal opinion about like those kind of things. I, I agree with you. Like, If I'm going to say some shit or something's going to happen, I'm fully expecting to get my ass beat if it's some if it's something that's disrespectful and I got to be ready to take that punch. Otherwise, I'm not going to say it. Um, yeah. And it's got to be something like I really, you know, believe. So what happened with you guys in that game was it, you know, did you hope that it got taken care of then? Or like what what was kind of the the whole message in the locker room after? First of all, I, I was pissed because I didn't know about it. I didn't know about it till after. Um, and that frustrated, frustrated the hell out of me, man. Uh, I remember that night just like talking back and forth with my uh, roommate, Dane. And I was like, man, like how do, how do we not do anything about that? Like, and, and it's, it's frustrating because you're getting your ass beat already on the scoreboard. So it's like, well, what, what can you really do? Right. So I feel like our guys were in a bit of a tough position. Um, but the really cool thing about lacrosse is that, like I said, there's a code, right? So no matter if some, if somebody sees something wrong and they feel like that situation was mishandled, they, a lot of times they'll take it into their own hands to make sure that people don't disrespect at their game. Right. So I think we kind of saw that. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say he deserved everything that he got. But when you talk shit, sometimes you get hit. Like, you, you learn that, man. And that's coming from a guy who used to be a total asshole. Like, you yeah, learn. I mean, like I said, if you're, if you're going to, you know, talk that talk, just be ready to get hit. Soak it. Keep it moving. Um, you know, who was, the, uh, who was the first dude in the pro league that kind of uh, taught you a lesson and kind of got you out of that mentality? <laughs> Um, <laughs> this is so NLL or is this in the first, summertime? So this is this is summer, but it was by a guy who kind of knew the ropes for both. Um, he played in both the summer leagues, MLL and NLL, and that was Manly. Manly came oh. out, and so I didn't. Even, I didn't know. I don't know who Mike Manly. I don't know. Oh, who dude, that's you know. I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. know who he is. And I'm. It's my first game ever. We're in Rochester. And uh, I literally, I think somebody, we won the face off right away. Somebody came down, they passed me the ball. I caught it. I threw it up to the, to the midi coming on. And all of a sudden, I just feel this two-hand slash across both my wrists and a massive cross check into my ribs. And a welcome to the fucking league, kid. I'm like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, what is that? Wrong motherfucker to mess with. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm like, yo, no, no flag, no <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Um, that that was my first like real pro moment where like it was like, yo, listen, like you got to learn, you got you got to earn your stripes. Uh, but I think my first ever like where I was kind of talking a little too much um, actually came in those summer leagues that we were talking about, and uh, it it came when I was like a super rookie, um, and. <laughs> I just remember uh, actually the captain of my team right now in Buffalo, Steve Friolo. I remember like in one of like the a championship round or something. Or I can't remember. It was a it was a playoff game, and the first game I like we were in the corner and I kind of like gave him like a soft jab to the face, and 
he like well, like looking at the refs like you're not gonna call that kind of thing and like i was like oh i can get away with anything around here like i'm whatever <laughs> i want uh and so game two comes around and we're getting our asses kicked i remember i kind of got into a scrum with this dude miss jones and uh who actually ended up being one of my bandit's teammates and i did the same thing to him i was like yo get off me like gave him like a little jab and he just wound up and put my ass down like split my lip open like so Glo- glove on glove on so he hit me just straight up just didn't even bother ripping my face my face mask off because normally they'll peel you and then they'll give it to you right but he just wound up and drilled me through the face mask which is even worse because your face mask comes down and drills you in the mouth <laughs> so it acts as like like uh what's, what are those things you put on your knuckles the uh like, like uh, brass, brass knuckles, knuckles right yeah. same kind of idea man so i'm i like i black out I like kind of come to and I'm like on like one knee on the ground and all I hear is uh, one of my teammates go, you're fine, you're fine, just get up, just get up. So like I stand up and next thing I know the ref's walking me to the penalty box and I'm trying to like chirp at the guy, Mitch Jones, who just hit me and my lips flapping all over the place, man. <laughs> it's so split open. Oh man, that, that, that was definitely the one time where I was like, man, okay, like if I'm going to be an asshole, like I'm, I'm going to get it. Yeah, Mitch, uh, he gave one to Eli good this past year too. And I feel like there's some guys that you're like you don't you wouldn't think that they're gonna they're gonna go you. And I also w- always wonder this with the like you know the code, you could just sucker someone with their face mask on, and it's just like <laughs> yeah. whatever you know. Because um, but you know, <laughs> then it's, it's like other guys are like I gotta peel your bucket off and, and then go, but. Um, Dude, there's guys that you're just like, yeah. I mean, good luck if you go him, uh, Manly, Brody, Merrill, guys like that. Um, yeah, that you they're just known, and which you might not know until you get to the league, and then you you make the wrong mistake, <laughs> cost you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually funny. So that actually brings me to a pretty good story. Um, right before Worlds, we were playing MLL, and uh, I was playing against Brody. And, and that, that was another thing where I, I would just get angry and me and Brody kind of got into it. We got onto the sideline and we were button heads and, um, he was just like gumming me. And then like, I saw something in his eyes that I've never seen anybody. <laughs> it, was, it was so scary. I was like, Oh my God, like, this is, this is absolutely absurd. This guy might actually kill me. And then like you go home and like, they're like, man, do you understand you were head to head? with Brody Merrill, he would have absolutely murdered your soft ass. Like, don't try to act tough. Like, you're not tough. You're not, <laughs> you're really not tough. And then a week later, we're at, uh, we're, we're in Toronto about to team up as a, or with Team Canada. So, and it was funny. He was like, listen, man, anybody who's ever been one of my teammates has, at, has had an altercation like that with me. It's just, it's just how it is. He's such a competitor, man. He's so fierce. And obviously he's one of the most respected guys in the, in the entire league. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's a, that, that's a bullet that I dodged for sure. <laughs> Dude, I played with Brody for the past two seasons in, for indoor. And I like, again, as an American, this is just, I, I think is how it goes. You, you kind of get into the NLL, you're trying to test the waters, you know, make a roster spot. You have no idea who any of these guys are. Because for the yeah. most part, you're not paying attention to the NLL growing up. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking of college across the pinnacle and then MLL. And obviously we're trying to change that now with, with the pro league and stuff, but you know, all these guys, Dan Dawson, Brody, you know, Bucky, these different guys and Brody, you're just like <laughs> watching him. Like he's mad low key. He's, he's such a nice guy. 
Then he gets on the floor and like right before the game just flips this switch and you're just like, oh shit. Like, nah, wrong dude. Now you understand why he's one of the most respected dudes in the game. Exactly, man. Like he's, he's so tough. Uh, and there, there's a lot of guys like that who just have those switches. And, and that's why I've learned, yo, listen, just, you, know, like, you don't want to mess with nobody because you don't know who's in their basement 4am just hitting hitting a punching bag like just just waiting for their moment to take somebody's sick. head off like so, some guy, of these yeah. dudes are sick they're sick fucks man so <laughs> they're, they're so i'm like yo like i'm not tough i know i'm not tough i just get Dude. angry and do stupid stuff sometimes like i i telling you I'm, I'm right there with you like i i have like a i don't have that switch for like games i'm very like even keel if i get too pissed i'm not playing my game i play I play like pretty steady and then it takes me a long time to snap. And then I know if I do snap, it's there's a situation where like I have to snap. Yeah. But it's crazy the guys that are just like, oh yeah, to that eye look. I'm like, dude, you got it, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Keep moving. <laughs> Keep moving. Um, yeah. <laughs> how do you? What do you think? NLL to POL. Um, just like in terms of the game and what you kind of see that the trajectory of them both. Obviously, you're a guy that you know that does both and is plays at a very high level yeah um man i'm i'm excited i'm excited for today's day and age and, and where lacrosse is at man because the both leagues are, are doing so awesome um the nll is definitely it, it it feels like um they're like just this close to tipping that edge and 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 getting a tv deal i think that's the biggest thing right now um, that the NLL is trying to really focus in on is, is getting that TV deal. Um, and obviously with the PLL, they're almost, they're almost one step ahead with that TV deal with NBC. Um, and, and to see lacrosse actually flourishing is a really cool thing for me. And to be able to be a part of both leagues as it's happening is, is an awesome thing. And it's, and it's hopefully one day when it does blow up, I can look down and tell my kids and my grandkids, whatever it is. And I was like, man, I was, I was, I was at the start of this when it was first starting to pick up that that's that that's what it means to me man it's like this this is a really cool thing that one day we're gonna be able to look back on this and be like man between us like we're gonna be able to tell our kids like we were a part of something special pioneering the sport it, it is crazy dude it's like like you said it's at that tipping point um i think for nll the validity factor with you know the tv will be crucial for them and you know the the games themselves like a buff i haven't been to buffalo but i've seen it dude it's wild like man talk to me a little bit about that experience game day (laughs) because dude it's crazy Sixteen thousand packed yo listen (laughs) listen if you talk to people in buffalo and i'm not knocking any sabers or or bills um but they will tell you that a bandage game is the most fun thing to do in buffalo period and it's just because that there's tons of music playing the entire time. Like it's it's basically a massive party. And on top of that, the announcers getting everybody going, getting people fired up. And and there's a lot of history to it too. So since like '94, man, I, dude, I met somebody the other day that was like, yeah, I've been like a season tickets holder since I was '93. 
It's like, bro, I was born in 94. What are you you talking about? Like, that is absurd. And they've been to almost every single game. And I'm like, yo, you are a diehard. Like, you you literally bleed it. You bleed orange, man. Like, and and these guys, they literally swear by it. It's it's incredible, man. And obviously, um, everybody knows how, how good of a sports city Buffalo is, right? Like, with uh, with the Bills, you know, having, I don't know, the last, what, 20 years has been real tough on the Bills, but their fans still show up, man, no matter what. Same thing with the Sabres. The Sabres have had their ups and downs, but, like, their fans still are always there supporting them. And when it comes to the Bandits, they just get even more hype because we win, we win games. <laughs> like, you you want to know why they support you so hard? Well, this is the only thing to do in Buffalo. <laughs> That's all you got going for you. Um, oh, now, what's that. post-Buffalo Bandits win, what's the go-to? Are, are the you guys celebrating with the fans? Is it the, the big-time bar? What is it? Uh, we usually we usually make our way up to a, a, a restaurant called 716, uh, where we definitely meet some fans, kind of interact with them, um, sign a couple of things for some kids. Um, some adults as well. Uh, and then, um, from there we kind of, we kind of make our way out to, uh, a bar called rec room. And from there, I have no idea what happens. Anything happens. I know <laughs> yeah. you, you probably got to go home and get changed. I heard it takes you about an hour to get dressed. Oh, You're known as oh. a pretty boy in the house. Take, take, What's going on? Is this true? Pretty boy. I I wouldn't say pretty boy. <laughs> we gotta get Dane on the mic. <laughs> Yo, Dane might be worse than me, honestly. Though Dane's worse than you. Dane might. Dane might be worse than me. The only thing with Dane is like he does like his hair is is it's so quick to put up. So he puts like a little bit of maybe like Moroccan oil or something in his hair, and then he's done. For me, but I gotta like I got like different some curls. I gotta pull the curl down. Sometimes I gotta push it together, and like times it just looks bad. So. <laughs> It takes some time, bro. It's not my fault. Nah, dude, I hear you. You got to look good, play good. You know, you got a lot more going for you than uh, just your your game on the floor. Um, so, Josh, 2021, what are we looking forward to? Chaos, Josh Byrne, what's next? Listen, man, this is uh, – I, I think we saw it um, the first year, right? We have a great regular season. You know what I mean? We come into the playoffs, we shit the bed shit the bed against the whip snakes and then after that we shit the bed against redwoods you know that all right this year we come out absolutely lay an egg in the regular season right um and then we pick it up we pick it up and we're six minutes away from from winning a championship right so i think i think we found hopefully we can take the two seasons put them together and just find the right groove and I, I, I really do think we have what it takes to win a championship, man. We, we were so close last year. Um, just really probably lacked a little bit of experience uh, with, with kind of with everything. Um, but, man, I'm, I know that every single one of our – every single person on our team is, is ready to come and dominate. I know that everybody's got a real bad stomachache on them because what, what happened with, with the whips in that game Man, we're up what six two, something like that. That's crazy. Going into the fourth, and we lose what twelve six. How, how, bro? Right. So I I think that every single one of our guys is going to come back working their ass off in great shape, and 
is, is going to come to tear it up. I'm excited, man. I'm pumped up. Well, as a, a fan of the game and a fan of Josh Byrne, I'm excited to kind of see that play out as a competitor. I'm coming for your ass and then make sure that doesn't happen next year. Um, but uh, I, I appreciate you have, uh, coming on with me tonight, Josh, and I appreciate you taking the time. This is great. Hey, man. No, thank you so much for having me, brother. Um, I'm glad that we we finally kind of come together as boys, and uh, I'm, I'm super happy that you had me on. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Until next time, I'll holler at you. That is it for this week's episode of Unbuckle Chinstrap. Shout out to Josh for jumping on with me. You can follow him over on Instagram at joshburn22. Guys, like always, please make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions on what athletes we should have on next, feel free to let us know. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jules Henningberg and follow the podcast at Unbuckle Chinstrap. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Catch you next time as we have on Redwoods defensive leader, Eddie Glazner. Ooh.